Hola, Juan Miguel Maltos Gonzalez, coming back to you on Firme, Cuentos y Arte Podcast. Mm-hmm. Pues fíjate, we had our um, block party, our town hall. We had that uh, this past weekend and had, I think, a pretty good turnout. We got about 47 uh, participants and we talked about arts administrator of color, we talked about what our mission is, what we do, what our goals are, and what we're, you know, what we're hoping to put together here. We talked about how we're, we put together, what is it, almost $40,000 in, in uh, COVID relief funds in the hands of artists. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 80000 pardon me. And we have 40000 coming in to be um, distributed as grants and as micro-grants and, of course, for COVID relief funds for organizations and individuals. So we're, we're hustling. And then on top of that, we have also had um, very specific, very targeted affinity spaces for gente, for black, for Pacific Islander, for artists with disabilities, for Middle Eastern artists, for just a wide variety of of very specific and targeted communities that are very underrepresented nationwide. We had an affinity space for for these different organizations and different uh, groups of people that uh, basically what, what that is, is where we can come together and we can we can real talk in a space that, that we need to, to help put some direction to where we need to be and kind of put us in the right mode of, these are some of the problems that we have internally amongst our own, our own, you know, community and this is what we need to work through and we need to find a way to work through it, not just at, at a, a local level, but at a global level, we need to find a way to, to work through some of these issues and be able to better ourselves as a whole. For example, in the Pente affinity space, it was called the Latinx affinity space. Lots of people did not participate because it's called Latinx. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. A lot of people that I spoke to afterwards said, oh, well, it's not a Latino space, so it must be just for the queer because it's Latinx. No, no, it's inclusive of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. It, it's inclusive of them with us. That's what the X means. And they're like, no, but it didn't have an A, so I'm not going to go. No, it didn't have an O, so I'm not going to be there. Well, I'm Chicano, so, you know, you do whatever you want to do. Yeah, so that's our problem. That is what these affinity spaces are for, to put those petty problems aside so we can focus on the real problems of not being respected and not being paid equally. Yeah, to not being represented culturally. Yeah, that's a bigger issue than your O and A and X. Yeah, it's, I mean, I get that yes, that identity is important. That's very true. I'm not denouncing that. But I'm just saying there are bigger problems as a, as a whole, as a community. 
got to think bigger. You got to think big picture. You know, people that are so focused and so narrow and so pinpointed on those little things like the whole A X. Yeah, those are important, but that affects just you. That affects like only like a hundred of you, like maybe a thousand of you, two thousand of you. The bigger issue is that brown people in general, in the millions, the community, people that aren't even involved in the arts, people that are doing things in the medical field, people that are involved in banking, people that work at a grocery store or a convenience store, they're having problems just simply because they're brown these matters. So yeah, affinity spaces, they make a difference. They put together communities and, and they're very specific communities to, to discuss and hash out and advance through these issues that we have. Because as gente, we're not the only people with issues here. You know, it, it's got to change. And if we expect change to happen, well, damn it, we need to make that change happen. Because it's not just going to come up and take you by the hand. Mm -mm. Nope. Change doesn't come up, and it doesn't it doesn't coax you. It doesn't ask you, are you ready for change? Are you? I'm here. I'm here for you. If you're feeling down, I'll pick you up. It's okay. I'm here for you. No, change doesn't come out and, and, and sweet talk you. No. <laughs> change, change doesn't do anything, man. It's, it, it only happens when you make it happen. Yeah. So, off that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it, what we did with um, over this past weekend was was really was really fun. It was really good. We talked about arts administrator of color. We talked about the funding we were able to provide this past year and our goals for next year. We talked about. Uh, we have a governance committee, we have the communications committee, and what what their role is amongst, amongst all of us. Um, we talked about the chapters committee. Oh, that's something new! Chapters committee! And what Arts Administrator Color is doing oh, is we're building nationwide chapters arts administrator of color official chapters that they would have guidance and they would have marketing materials they'd have representation at the national level by arts administrator of color but the action is local the support goes local it goes to wherever you are so where does it help you it helps you in your house it helps you in your very own community you live and work in. But now, instead of having to, to scrounge together amongst your five or six friends trying to figure out how to do something and, and make it happen and busting your butt trying to invent the wheel, Arts Administrator Color from Washington, D.C. will come in and say, here is the wheel, here is the body and the frame, here is the steering wheel. And by the way, here's the rest of the wheel. You put it together, you organize, and then you drive it and you drive. Yeah. So, Arts Administrative Color, they bring years and a wealth of mentorship 
of, of experiences that, that you may have already endured with solutions that already prepackaged, that have already been navigated through and negotiated and figured out and made to work. That change that you want, somebody else, somewhere, has already gone through that. Or is going through it right now. And maybe they're thinking of some things that you haven't yet. So it'd be really good to put your heads together and advance. Yeah. That's that's what the chapters committee is basically about. Is about is about helping local artists of color, artists administrators of color, people of color advance. Lift them up. Get them to where they want to be, where they deserve to be in their creative communities. And if you have mentorship, you have leadership, you've got a partnership of other people of color from across the country to connect with. But the change, where is it? Right where you live. Yeah? Who gets to experience the, the change you do? Who gets to reap the rewards you do? Yeah. That's what what the chapters are all about and it's a program we're starting we're still you know working through some of it so we're getting some things situated but we've got the we've got the, the bones laid out you know we got that skeleton going so we have the the direction we want to go in and we're ready to create what's called the, the pilot chapter these are the test chapters the guinea pigs if you will <laughs> we're experimenting with a few organizations, not organizations, but a few groups of people that are ready to organize and create something good that, um, you know, it's, 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 we've got to start somewhere. We've got to, we got to experiment with this and see what's going to work with these chapters and what's not going to work. And the only way to do it is to go out and do it. Like I said, you want change, you go out and change it. It's not what you want. You know what? You change it again. Yeah. And you keep changing it till you get exactly what you want, till you get exactly what you need. And you roll with it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what we're working on. And um, so, yeah, we had about 47 participants and we shared the information with them. They're from all over. And, um, and it was good. It was good. We, we had a, a group session, then we had breakout sessions in our respective areas. And um, I was paired up with some people in California and Seattle, and um, and it was good. I mean, we, we had a really, really um, nice conversation, getting to know each other. We talked about some things that are important for us locally, because what's important for people of color in the Pacific Northwest is not the same for people of color in Texas. It's not the same for people of color in central U.S. or in the east. No. It's all different. We all have different needs. We all have different problems. We all have a different level of representation. Yeah. So what somebody needs in New York as an artist of color is not going to be the same thing that we need in the Pacific Northwest. It's just they're not the same. And that's why we break into these areas, these regional so that we can talk about our local concerns, which we did, and we 
had some really good conversation on that in regards to um, in regards to, to what's going on over in Seattle with the protests. You know, artists are dealing with that. What's going down in California with uh, cultural arts and their representation at Spokane and our needs for for fair representation of artists of color here. So we we talked a lot. It was good. And um, after that, we came back as, as a big as a big group again. And then the block party started. <laughs> and you may ask, how do you do a block party across the country online? Well, you do it with a DJ, <laughs> for one. And not just any DJ. You got the DJ. We had a great guy from DC. Oh man, it, it was it was something. It was good. It was, um, it was just, it was just a good time. We had music going, you know, we're in the chat talking with each other, direct messaging each other, just saying, hi, how are you doing? It, it became a party, you know, it really did. It became a great party. People were dancing. You can see people dance on the, the screen, on the monitor, and they're like, you know, really working it. It's like, ooh, it was good, it was good, it was really good. And then, you know, we've got, sending in requests to the DJ, some of their, hearing some of their favorites, they played, he played everything, he played from, you know, uh, he played from Beyonce to Say La Cruz to Missy Elliott to everything, and he, we heard all sorts of stuff, nobody was left out, and, um, and it was just, it was good, it was really a fun time to know people, and when we were in the chat during the, the more sociable part, you know, during the block party, you know, I was in there just telling people, hey, you know, drop your Instagram, let's follow each other, let's, let's, uh, build a bigger network here, and so we did, you know, lots of people were dropping in there, it's a great, great place to, to just connect and network, and, um, it was really fun, yeah. There was nobody from Spokane there. I was the only one. And I put that out on my social and people liked it, but they didn't join it. And that's okay because, well, Spokane has a thing where Spokane is local. They stay in their bubble. You see, <laughs> in my life, I've never known a bubble. I've never known anything like that to be restrictive or to be with or held back by anything, you know, I, I don't allow that, you know, why, why would I settle for less, and I say that and I really mean that, why would I want to settle for less, why would I only want to live in my town, why would I only want to support what's on my street, why, what good is it for the overall community, what good is that for the state, what good is that for my, my ending, what good is that for people across the country, people around the world? What good is that if we only stay in our own little bubble? No, I don't. I don't do work in bubbles. No, sorry. You, you can if you want to, and you have fun with that. But I'm not. No, there's there's too much happening in the world to stay in your own bubble creatively. I strongly believe that in order to grow as an artist, to grow 
whole life. I left San Antonio when I was very young, I think, and lived all over the country and had a chance to see different, I guess you could say, adaptations of Hendik across the country and learn about our differences and our similarities and have really picked up on, on the way when people move and they relocate, how they adapt to where they are that time. And through all this, through all this exploration, learning about my Hente across the country, Yeah, he, he was very, yeah, very, his 
godsend, yeah, all that, you know, where I'm going with that, he's very all that, and then, all of a sudden, we both witnessed an inequity, yeah, we witnessed a, a minority group of people being targeted, and, and uh, I guess you could say being I said, that's not right. I said, if, you know, everybody deserves an opportunity to start a business, own a business, that, you know, businesses of color should not be targeted to be shut down. And he's like, yeah, that's not right. Because they paid their, you know, they paid for their, their business license. They paid for their UBI. They paid for all their stuff, just like anybody else did. You know, they're putting money into their business like any other person would as anybody else is, and he was saying this, he says, oh, they, they deserve to have, uh, you know, the business they want, that's wrong, he said that, and I was like, oh, watch out, and sure enough, we saw this happen more and more and more and more, and he's like, this is wrong, this is, this is not how it should be done, he says, we need to, we need to fight, said, yeah, you're right, we do, so we went, and we took it to, uh, powers and Powers that be decided to even be. Oh, we got some whistleblowers here, huh? Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, this is what we do to whistleblowers. We, you know, we punish you. So they did. They came back and they attacked us in a much harder way than, than they attacked these businesses of color. They discriminated against us. So here you've got this white guy. That was very, you know, you know. Well, that's what they get, you know. Kind of like, well, that's what you get when you're, you're illegal. Ah, you know, Trump, Trump, build a wall. Very like that. And then he was like, you know, well, that's not cool. They're discriminating against me. And I'm like, well, yeah, fool. <laughs> They're discriminating against me because I'm a whistleblower. They see you just like the way they see me. You're a whistleblower too. That at this point, you know, you and I, we're we're the same to them. To them, we're a threat. To them, we are the problem that needs to be removed. Oh, and he was—I mean, he was upset. And then he understood what it was like to 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 be discriminated and attacked, to be targeted. He he got it. He was—he felt it. And it took this, you know. This guy, probably in his, you know, late 50s, took him this whole time to experience this and learn what it's like to be in this situation. He'd never experienced this ever in his life. And so there we are, you know, he's doing this thing and he's like, I don't know what to do. I've never experienced this. I've never been told I can't work. I've never been told, you know, so many lies that they swear are true against my truth. I've never been told this. I've never been in this situation. And I said, you know, dude, that's this is this what you're experiencing, what you're feeling? This is what it's like to be discriminated against. This is what it's like when you're the brown person. You know, and I kept chill throughout this whole experience because, well, as a brown person, as a person that's bicultural, 
as a person that's not fully accepted in America, a person that's never going to be accepted in Mexico, you know, that's, that's your root, that's your normal life, that is, that is your social and cultural norms, Mm -hmm. and I don't say that because I want to boo-hoo or nothing, nobody, I say that because it's true, that, that is a fact, you know, when I'm here in white America, you know, I, people see me, and they, many of them, do think that I'm from another country, they think that I'm an immigrant, they genuinely believe that, with all honesty in their heart, until they learn that I'm not, and then they're like, oh, but I didn't know you were born here, but your English is so good, yeah, yeah, those are conversations I've had all too many times, and, and so there's this friend of mine, he, he, we're talking about stuff like this, about immigrants, about people that are, the reason why they're undocumented here is because the border crossed us, and we've been here for generations, like me and my family, you know, and, you know, we're talking about this stuff, and he's really just taking it in, and he's like, wow, I never knew, I never knew that this is what people experience, I said, yeah, this is not just what people experience, this is what they live, this is the stress that goes through their entire life. From when they're children to the day they die, oh yeah, oh man, this is this is their life. This is how they get treated. This becomes what's expected. And he's like, "That's really sad." I'm like, "Yeah, it is sad." But you know what? When you're there saying "build a wall" and you're there saying "Trump, Trump, Trump," you know, "Maga, Maga, Maga," "Kiss, have a kiss," "Te que el otro," you're saying all this stuff. Well, just imagine what you're bringing to that community, how you're making them feel. I mean, yeah. And he was pretty quiet, and he was just like, wow. I, I just, I, I, I had no idea. You know, he was just shocked, and he's like, this, this sucks. And I, I feel really sorry right now. And I'm like, well, you know, that's, I said, you can't undo what you did, and you can't unsay what you've been saying your whole life, you can't, so what you do is, you know, just move forward, if you don't like the way this makes you feel right now change you have the capacity you're grown as men, you can change if you want to but you've got to want it you need to want to change and he did you know, he doesn't have an interest in, in voting for him. He no longer says things like make America great. Well, he jokes around, you know, he kids, but he doesn't say it when he doesn't mean it anymore. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll joke around like that, but, but he doesn't, he doesn't say that anymore. And when the pandemic came down, I remember one of the things he said before I did was, oh man, these people, he says, so many people are going to be out of work, and he's like, man, but you know who's not going to, you know who's not going to stop working, and I was like, who, and he says, he says, the ag workers, the migrant workers, the ones in the fields, they're not going to stop working, because nothing stops them from working, 
and he said those migrant workers are the hardest working people in America and that that that's spoken by a man that was like send him back build a wall but he he praised him and he respected him you could hear it in his voice God, and he was saying man they're gonna keep working and you know what's sad they're gonna get sick but they're gonna keep working they're gonna keep trying because they're not gonna give up they are the hardest working people in America today He went on saying how they work outside, they labor, and, you know, for next to no pay, you know, he says they don't get anything, really, they don't get paid a lot, but they work so damn hard, and he, he went on and on, you know, and just hearing him say that, having that, that realization, wow, it was, it was something else, and then I remember he said, at, at another point, how the community of color is, he says, they're going to be affected so, uh, so such a harsh way with this pandemic because of healthcare. Many of them can't afford healthcare. And just poverty in general, regardless of they're black or white or whatever, the poverty, people don't have the money to go to a doctor. You know, he says, they're going to have to do something for these COVID tests where people can just get them for free because they can't afford that. <laughs> you know, for some people it's a matter of how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to buy food? If I, if I can't go to work, if I don't have a job, and where am I going to spend my money now? Well, I can't afford to spend it on a test. I have to feed my family. It's these toy- tough decisions that people, he said, that people are going to make, you know, that if people are going to get desperate are going to lash out, they're going to start protesting and writing, you wait and see, they're going to start protesting, not just, not just, you know, with picket line dancing, but they're going to, they're going to be out there trashing stuff, they're going to be angry, they're going to loot stores, you know, and he wasn't that far off, no, he was not that far off, so... So this past weekend was pretty interesting how we were able to connect with people of color, with artists of color across the country. We talked for about an hour and a half, talked a little business, and we talked uh, talked a little social, a little good time, and it was, it was fun. We had a really good time. And um, yeah, you know, it was, it was great to, to be a part of this conversation, it was great to, to get to know people, meet people, and, and we talked about some really, really heavy-hitting stuff, things we needed to talk about, things we need to air, we need to get out of our, you know, out of our, off our mind, and out of our heart, and just kind of get it out, and it was good, it was good, it was a really good, a really good opportunity to connect and talk, and, um, yeah, so we're going to have some more chapter meetings and discussions on that in the near future, which I will continue to support and continue to promote. Hopefully, some artists of color from Spokane can be there 
that'd be nice wink wink nudge nudge since you can't see me i'm winking and i'm nudging you i see like that mm-hmm. yeah so it'd be good if we can um get some get some changes made for our gente for our people here we need to because like i said nobody's gonna give to us nobody's gonna change for us Change isn't gonna come and take you by the hand and say, "Are you okay? Are you ready? You ready? You sure? No, no, but you want change, you gotta get up and make it." Okay. Uh, this podcast doesn't make me. It doesn't, you know, wake up and, and tell me what to do. It, no, I, I choose to do this. I make this change. Yeah. This isn't, I don't get paid for this. I don't get anything, you know, any form of compensation for this, for this time that I put into it and the the time that I I put it out there and put it on social media. I don't get anything put in my pocket for that. No. I do it because if I want change, I need to make it. Is this making change? I don't know. I haven't seen change yet. I'm still waiting. But you know what? I'm going to keep making it until I see change. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to keep making change. This is how you do it. You got to start somewhere. You got to get up off your little sofa and you got to do it. If you want it. Yeah. But first, you have to have that want first. People, they, they demand a lot of things out in the world. Where you don't you don't demand anything anything other than of yourself. Yeah. You demand of yourself to do it. Because if you can't, nobody gonna give you nothing. You want it, get up. Get it. So I say to you, the things you want in your life, go get them. Go get them. They're right there. Go get them. It's kind of like the days before you had a remote control. If you want to change the channel, you had to get up and go change the channel. Yeah, I'm that old vato. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> bueno.